Hi guys, and welcome back to the You Don't Want to Know podcast. See, like, I don't even know what to say after that. (laughs) At least I got the intro down. Okay, whatever. So, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone has had a wonderful week, and it's just been nothing but rainbows and whatever is as good as rainbows. So, start off the podcast with a movie. I reviewed the movie It Follows. It's on Netflix, which is like freaking awesome because I have Netflix, but I've heard so many like good things about this movie and I was kind of worried because whenever I think a movie is going to be good, I like build it up in my head and I'm like, let's go. I'm so pumped. And then it always lets me down and I think it's my fault. So I was kind of worried. And actually like nowadays I go to movie theaters and I'm like, this movie's going to suck just so like I don't get too high of expectations. So, back to the original point. I watched It Follows for the first time, and it was super duper interesting. Um, It Follows, I would say it's from like the 2000s, I think. I could be wrong because I didn't look it up. I could look it up, but I'm not gonna. So, essentially, it's about this like monster or something like that that you can pass on through having sex with someone, and it just like slowly follows you. No matter what, just like beelining and like no matter what you do, it's just always walking towards you. And that concept like scares the crap out of me. I feel like there's like a a saying or like a, a question where it's like, would you rather have this or would you rather have a snail that's always following you and like you never want it to catch up to you, some crap like that. So that's just what I thought of. But I have had, like, nightmares about this concept, like, a reoccurring nightmare where something's, like, just walking towards me or something like that, and I'm trying to run, but, like, every time I either can't run, like, there's something weird with my legs, or I just, like, fall for some reason. So, this movie just kind of, like, resonated with me for the weirdest of reasons, but I just love, I guess I shouldn't say love, but it was a very interesting choice on how the director did that first scene with that girl and they find her the next day on the beach and you're just like looking at her like why do I see a heel and then boom wide shot she snapped her leg like just right in your face just amazing but um another cool thing I saw in the movie was that the one girl I don't even remember anyone's name she had like a clamshell and it was like a cell phone kind of thing that was pretty freaking dope. I was like, mm, let's bring those back. I don't know about you guys, but I forgot that puka shells were in existence. <laughs> you know, in 2000s, how everyone had like a puka shell necklace and she put it on and it was just like, wow, I'm back in 2000 and like, that's the fashion. I'm so glad that it's gone because <laughs> we needed, we needed that upgrade because just terrible. But like I said, very, very scary concept. I just, I really enjoyed it, you know? It was very classic, um, and it was actually scary, so that doesn't happen very often. So, good movie, good movie. Um, I have an idea for a second movie, so bear with me, guys. So, it follows two, but it's in the perspective of the thing following her. Good? Is that good? Just one person walking and then every once in a while they get close to someone and that person starts running and it's just them walking alone again 
Um, oh, and then one other thing I wanted to say is, I try not to spoil it, but I, like, want to talk about it. Um, the things that they choose to, like, embody to get close to them, because he said it, em- it embodies whatever form to get close to you. It's always naked. Why would it think that, like, oh, if I'm naked, it won't be weird and I can get close to this, this person? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But whatever. So that was my review for um, It Follows, the movie. Definitely recommend um, watching it. And then one of my friends, um, he listened to one of the podcasts. Thanks, Brad. He asked me to do Death Day, Happy Death Day. And unfortunately, it is not not on any streaming services. So that's a little bit of a bummer. But I did already see it. So I already think that it's a good movie. Great movie. Definitely recommend watching it. It, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily scary. Like, they could have spun it in a scary way because it is a scary concept, you know? And I feel like there are movies that have it in a scary way. But it's definitely a comedy. It's funny. I think it's, like, a dark humor. Um, this is the, like, summary of it on the Google machine. Um, Tree Gilbert... Gil... Gildben? Man? Whatever her last name is. That's the main character. Um, she's a college student who wakes up on her birthday in a bed of a student named Carter. As the morning goes on, Tree gets an eerie feeling that she's experienced the events of this day before. When a masked killer suddenly takes her life in a brutal attack, she once again magically wakes up in Carter's dorm room unharmed. Now, the frightening young wo- frightened young woman must relive... Oh, I could push the button must relive every single day until she figures out who the killer is. So, like, the scariest part about that movie is probably the mask. And that's about it. And you see the mask, like, a million times. So, the fear goes away. But like I said, definitely a good movie. I would watch it again, for sure. But now, we are on to the real reason why we're here. So, let's get uncomfortable. All right. The subject of the case today is Walburga Kishkel. I believe that's how you say it. I looked it up. I think I got it right, but who knows? I tried. So, Walburga, um, for some reason, they called her Dolly. And I just want to talk about something really quick. I don't understand why someone could have a name and, like, be called something. Like, how? I don't even, I can't think of an example right now but be called something that doesn't even, like, remotely reflect their name. Confuses me. I don't know if that's the case here, or if, like, she was just so sweet, she was a doll, and that's why they call her Dolly. Whatever. Um, I'm on a rant. I apologize. Back to the story. Um, so Dolly, I'll call her Dolly, she was born in 1880. So they're not really sure if she was born in Germany, or if she was born in America, just after her parents arrived, but it was some somewhere in between those somewhere in between those life events. So she g- grew up in good old Scani, that's Wisconsin for your, the people that don't know. Uh, she grew up in a German neighborhood on a farm. And once she turned 12, she started working at a textiles factory owned by a German and they did a lot of like kitchen aprons. So she worked there and the thing about Dolly is that like she's super duper bubbly and I'm sure everybody knows that one person. Some people want to punch that person. Some people just want to be their friend. (laughs) I'm on the fence. I go both ways. Uh, But she was very bubbly and just really kind and everyone knew her. 
So it's really easy to see why the owner of the company, Fred, was just like drawn to her because she just has one of those personalities. Now, the way you pronounce Fred's name is... Österreich. So I'm never going to say that again. Um, enjoy it while it lasts. You can replay it as many times as you want, but I'm just going to call him Fred because that was pretty hard to say. Now, like I said, Fred was the owner of the company and he was drawn to Dolly and um, they just like really hit it off. They really liked each other. Fred was born in 1877, so he wasn't that much older than her. Um, and they got married when Dolly turned 17 and, um, she continued to have a place at the factory. She was still a working woman for a while. Um, she was the person that kind of, you know, settled disputes, any fights that were happening, they came to her or she went to them and she was just like the middleman. She was like, Hey guys, like, where's the love? Like peace and love. I know it's not the the seventies, 1970, but like, let's get to there and find the love whatever so while Fred was working at the factory eventually she started staying home more and more and she unfortunately started skipping out on Fred really really big bummer because that's just never good um but nothing we can do about it now you know so in 1913 her sewing machine broke big freaking bummer but luckily her husband had a textiles factory so he had a lot of mechanics and he sent, um, his name was Mr. Sandhuber. I'm sure it's like Sandhuba, but she sent, or Fred sent him to fix the sewing machine. And Fred was a young 17 year old and Dolly was like in her thirties or whatever that would come out to. Um, so she kind of got excited about it and he fixed the, fixed the machine up all good and life went on. Yeah, I know. Kind of boring. But it really wasn't because the neighbors started to whisper. And Dolly was really lonely, so she might have seen this Mr. San Huber a couple of times after that. Or maybe a lot of times after that. And maybe they took a trip to St. Louis together. Maybe Fred found out. Sorry, I'm done. I won't say maybe anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they definitely took a trip to St. Louis, which is like a crazy long drive. And I guess if you're like a road tripper, good for you. But I feel like from the story, it seems like that was not a long period of time. And I would never want to go on a road trip with someone I've known for three months, I'm guessing. I don't even know how long. Um, but like nine hours with someone you don't know that well? Mm. I would want to choke the person I'm sitting with if I had to uh, hang out with them in a car for that long. But like I said, Fred found out he was pissed, to say the least. And he confronted San Huber. Um, and the man ran off. And Fred was like, there we go. Everything's back to normal. We're all good. But Dolly still felt really, really, really lonely. And Fred was at the factory all the time. And that's just really hard for a person. So the, they like started to grow apart in the marriage, which was really sad. And Fred started drinking and he wasn't the best, but Dolly just continued to live her life and did what she had to do. So in 1918, Fred wanted to move to California. He really never liked the house they lived in. And he said that he was like starting to hear weird noises in the attic. Um, I don't know what he thought those noises could be. 
I don't know if you hear that shuffling, but that is Cletus the cat. He is getting comfortable. Hello, Cletus. Thank you for joining the live audience with all the other people here. Um, like I said, there was some noises in the attic. Fred wasn't sure what was going on and he didn't like it. So he was like, Dolly, pack your bags. We're going to sunny California, like the exact opposite of Wisconsin right now, which honestly, um, it is February. It is cold. California doesn't sound too bad. So I get the appeal. But Dolly liked the house and she liked where she was and she didn't want to move. She told him every time that he brought up the whole um, attic noises, she was saying like either the mice were getting freaky, um, it's an old house, it's settling, like you know how the winds, or it's just his imagination, it's not a big deal, whatever. But he was pretty insistent, he gave other reasons too, um, this was en- the end of the war um, and he knew that like um, he could make a little bit more money in California, so he wanted to move. And eventually, um, they came to terms and Fred was like, okay, if you, you can pick the house, but we're moving, like, that's it. So Dolly got excited and she was like, okay, let's do it. I'm picking the house. Like this works out well. So she picked a house, got everything settled and they officially lived in California. How fantastic. Uh, they lived there for uh, roughly four years and, um, they just weren't happy unfortunately like sun doesn't make everyone happy fred complained because the price was just outrageous for everything everything was super expensive in california um so his drinking kind of just got worse i don't know if there's like a correlation behind it or what but his drinking just got worse and he was also kind of violent at this point too so they would fight and fight and fight and It would just get worse and worse until one night it got really bad. Something went wrong. So this is August, uh, August 22nd of 1922. They got into a pretty bad fight. And outside of the house, the neighbors actually heard gunshots, which like, not great, not a great sign. But you know what? They did the right thing and they called the police, which like, yes, call the police. It's better to be wrong and feel dumb than be right and not call the police and somebody's, like, dead or something, you know? And I'm not, like, blaming anyone that hasn't done this, but, like, from here on, after listening to this podcast, be overcautious and just call the police. You hear, like, a weird noise outside, call the police. Someone's screaming, it's not my problem. Actually, no, it is your problem. Call the police and then, like, hide under the bed. Just kidding. Don't hide under the bed. That is the first place a killer will look. Buy a house that has a secret chamber and hide in the secret chamber. There we go. Okay. Glad we figured that out. So, back to the story. Um, The neighbors called the police after hearing gunshots. Uh, The police came and they found Fred on the floor with three close-range gunshot wounds. So, unfortunately, that was the end of Fred. Um, Chief Anderson... Uh, he had this quote and it was the expensively, expensively furnished room, uh, showed evidence of a fierce struggle. An open French window with the screen unlatched suggests that the murder had left, uh, the house in a hurry. 
So I love the detail. I love the French window. I love the expensive furniture. It's really, really important. Love it. <laughs> but I know that's how police, uh, police officers work. They got to do that detail. So good for you, Anderson. Um, so the police like looked around, um, and they didn't find Dolly right away. So they're kind of confused. They're like, why is the husband here? And Dolly's not. Well, eventually they looked in this closet and the closet was locked from the outside. And guess who's inside? That's right. It's Dolly. It's not Cletus over here. Cletus is sleeping on the pillow. It was Dolly. She said that she was hanging up some fur coats when someone pushed her in and locked the door. (laughs) I actually spelled doot. So it's not doot, it's door. Somebody locked the door and they grabbed the key and threw it away, which, okay, I'm going to pause for a second. Why do you need a closet that locks from the outside? Like, do you have a monster that you need to lock in a closet? Like, is that, are monsters real and you keep them in your closet? And that's why kids are scared of closets because of this one story. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Why do you need a closet that locks from the outside? But whatever, that's just my question of the day. If you have an answer for me, I would love to hear it. But another another sidetrack. I apologize. Back to the story. So they found it in a closet. Um, the key was in a different room and it was just like tossed to the side. So they were like, okay, that's kind of weird. Uh, the police really couldn't make sense of the scene. There was a small amount of cash missing. And Fred's expensive diamond watch was also missing. So like... To me, that scene makes perfect sense. Um, They, well, I guess, I don't know. So, I guess, I just imagine, like, them hearing the couple walking in. They hide and they isolate Dolly because, like, she's the woman, so she's probably the easiest one to get rid of. Which, like, this is the 19, early 1900s, so, like, that's why that's a thing. Women are freaking strong. Like, fight me, bro. I'm just kidding. But, like, I'm just getting in the mindset of them back then so they push her in the closet and that doesn't make too much noise and then they shoot Fred because they just panic and they don't know what to do and obviously gunshots make loud noises and they knew that so they didn't have a lot of time they grabbed what they could and they left that's what I think of when I hear this story but then again like maybe the police saw something that I didn't or the police are just smarter than me because they are so who knows I just didn't think that scene seemed so confusing, but whatever. So they were also confused because they could tell that it was a small gun somehow. And they said it was a gun that a woman would carry in her purse, which like, all right, okay. (laughs) I don't know. It just seems really funny to me, like a, a woman carrying a small gun in her purse, like this one matches my lip gloss, whatever. But I would totally do that at the same time. So Uh, they interviewed the neighbors and they said that they heard the couple in a heated argument when they came home. And the police were like, "Okay, so Dolly was arguing with her husband and shot him. How did she lock herself in the closet? They were really leaning on this Dolly theory. They really thought it was Dolly, but they just couldn't make sense of her locking herself in the closet. And I think that Dolly could kind of tell that the police were leaning towards her. And um, she denied the murder. She just adamantly was like, it was not me. But she was like, yeah, no, we fight. Like, every couple fights, and we were fighting today. 
So she was just like being very honest. But the police were just like not buying what she was selling, not picking up what she was putting down, not smelling what she was stepping in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, she, they just, they didn't believe her at all. They really thought it was Dolly and they couldn't figure out why. So, uh, ba ba ba. Where was I? They thought it was Dolly, but they couldn't explain why she, or how she locked herself in the closet. They were really like racking their brain, brains trying to figure this out. The thing that like really made it hard for them was because the um, key was not only in a different room, but it was like far in the corner of a different room. So they don't know how Dolly could have just locked herself in the closet and like just chucked the key. It just didn't make sense. How could she do it? I don't know. Uh, The police began to look into Dolly and just like kept a close eye on her throughout these weeks. And Dolly uh, hired an attorney. Um, I don't know if this was because the police were looking at her so closely, but um, it was also because she had to handle her husband's estate. So Dolly eventually started dating that lawyer. That lawyer's name was Herman Shapiro, which top-notch name, Herman. Love it. I wonder what your middle name was, because I'm sure it was something like Herman Dashing Shapiro, something like that. Just something quality, I would hope. So, unfortunately, just like uh, Dolly's husband, Herman worked long hours and Dolly became lonely. But, like, I don't know what she was expecting because he's an attorney. Dolly took another lover and his name was Roy Kelly. They were dating and Dolly asked him to do a weird favor. She asked him to throw this gun in a tar pit because she just didn't need it anymore or um, it was like she didn't need it and it looked weird because she had a gun and her husband was shot by a gun. So he disposed of it. No questions asked, which I feel like I would ask a couple of questions if that were me, but whatever. I'm not Roy. Um, Life went on. No biggie. She kept seeing both guys. Uh, eventually, the police had a couple questions for Herman, uh, just because he was technically Dolly's lawyer and, like, her boyfriend, so I guess he's a good person to come and talk to, and the police just wanted to get a couple things straight, um, and the officer saw a shiny watch on, um, Herman's desk, and they were like, hey, where'd you get that? And he's like, oh my gosh, funny story, let me tell you, you are going to laugh, Dolly found this watch, either there's two stories, in her front yard or between a couch cushion. So the robber didn't even take it. It was here the whole time. Isn't that hilarious? So lawyers are pretty smart, usually. I would hope that Herman had a couple red flags pop up when Dolly gave him this watch. But I did find two sources where it said that She either found it in the front yard or she found it between the couch cushions. And this definitely threw up red flags for the police. And they were like, okay, we've really got to figure out how this lady did this because 100% she did it. Like, no doubt in my mind, she did it. So, eventually, Roy, Kelly, and Dolly break up and Roy Kelly was the boyfriend or, like, lover, whatever you want to call him. Um, and he went straight to the police and he's like, Hey, I got some information you might want to know. 
Dolly had me dispose of a gun in a tar pit. Specifically, the Labri tar pits. So the police went over and they were actually able to recover the gun. Now, um, I only found that they recovered it in one source. No other source actually mentioned even finding the gun. So I don't know. I feel like if you throw something in a tar pit, it's kind of long gone, but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they have like special claw machines that can pull them out. I don't know. But when word got out that this was going on, a neighbor came forward and he told the police that Dolly had asked him to throw away a knife, or excuse me, a knife, a gun as well, or bury it in his yard. So this makes me wonder if there was a little something something going on between them two as well, just because I feel like it would take a lot for me to ask someone to dispose of a gun after my husband was shot, but that's just me. I don't know. Who knows? So the neighbor um, pointed it, pointed out where he buried it. He buried it under rose bushes, which is very interesting. And it's kind of funny, too, because in the movie It Follows, they really make her red nail polish, like, a point. Like, they, they point it out, at least. And I don't know if it's, like, a specific connection. I don't really want to ruin it to, for you guys, but, like, roses are red her nail polish was red, whatever. I guess it's not that, <laughs> it's not that great of a connection, but I just found it kind of funny. So back to the rose bush, they found it and they were somehow able to tell that it was the same caliber as what shot her husband, which like, I don't know how you figure that out, but good for you. And, oh, do you hear that? That was the dog shaking. Um, but the police were able to co- recover it and it matched the wounds. So that was a step in the right direction. So that was enough to um, to arrest Dolly, obviously, because um, it was the same gun. And when they uh, took her in for questioning, she was like, I only threw it away because it looked bad and it was an old gun anyways, so it really didn't matter. But the story that she told the neighbor was that it resembled the murder weapon and she didn't want to get in trouble. So... She was arrested, and the police chief Anderson wrote, After they had tested and discarded every possible theory which might link her to the crime, the murder complaint against the widow was dismissed. So, after all the evidence, after them finding the gun, it still wasn't enough because she was locked in a closet somehow. So Dolly was let go free, and she was just left to live her life, you know? Like doing her own thing, I guess. And eventually Herman and Dolly did break up. And that was that with them. Just moved on. She did her own thing. She still had a bunch of money from her husband's business. She dated a couple guys, you know. But seven years later, after she was arrested, a man came forward with Shapiro, um, her ex-boyfriend. And his name was Otto, wait for it, San Huber. Do you guys remember that last name? I hope so, because that means you were paying attention. Otto San Huber was the 17-year-old that her husband, or her deceased husband, Fred, sent to fix her sewing machine. Now, where does he come up in this story? How does he fit into this whole 
horribly mangled puzzle that we called Dolly's life? Well, I'll tell you. When Dolly was arrested, she was really worried, so she asked Herman Shapiro, the lawyer-slash-boyfriend at the time, to go to her house because she had her vagabond brother living in the ceiling. So she didn't want him to starve. She asked Shapiro to not get him groceries, knock on the door, and then he would come out. So that's what he did because they were dating, and I guess that's what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to trust your significant other, even though it means believing her that her brother is locked in the cl- the attic like a maniac whatever so he did it he knocked on the ceiling and out comes this skinny pale man and it was Otto and I'm assuming that's like one of the first people Otto had seen in a long 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 time and Otto just kind of spilled his guts and he told him the truth and the truth is The first time that Dolly and Otto met, she got like all spruced up because she found out a 17-year-old was going to help her and she got excited. So she wore whatever was scandalous back in the early 1900s and I'm assuming it was something up to your neck. I don't know. (laughs) It was like silk and stockings and perfume, whatever, and sparks flew right away. Which, like, it kind of seems forced, but whatever. So they snuck around. And you guys remember for the first part of the story, that did not go well. They were at hotels, but that gets expensive and it's kind of hard to hide that. So they started, or she started bringing him to their house. And the neighbors started to whisper and she used the um, vagabond brother excuse again. But they weren't buying it. So they whispered, but Fred didn't do anything for some reason. Until eventually they went to St. Louis and Fred found out and he was like, too far, guys. You crossed the line. Like, I was turning my turning my back and letting everything else happen, but, like, I can't let this slide. So he, like, freaked out at him and um, he thought that that was it. But what really happened was Dolly had told him to quit his job at um, Fred's factory and live in the attic in Wisconsin. So he had been living in the attic back then, too. He got up to the attic through a little panel in the bedroom closet. Now, it's funny because my parents actually have one of those, and they never let me go upstairs. So I kind of wonder if I have a vagabond brother living upstairs. Who knows? But my house never made weird noises, so I think we're good. My mom also said that attic is, like, two feet tall, and you can only, like, crawl around on your belly, but who knows? Maybe. Maybe I have a brother that I never knew about. So back to Otto. He had food up there. He had a cot, a lamp, book, and books, I should say, and stuff to write with, and a bucket, because every room needs a bucket to poop in. (laughs) He would write stories um, and read a lot of short stories, because that was kind of like his passion. So during the day when Fred was gone, he would come downstairs and... He would, like, help clean up the house, do whatever, just help her with her daily chores. And then once those were done, they would do the stuff in the bedroom, if you know what I mean. And then when Fred came back home, he would scoot up to the attic and hide. 
That's when he would do all of his um, reading and his short story stuff. So this is about the time when Fred started hearing the stuff in the attic. And I wonder if he like was suspicious about stuff or if he really just had no idea what was um, happening. So when Fred suggested that they moved, that's why Dolly was like, no, we can't move. I like it here. I don't want to leave. It was really because she didn't know what to do with Otto. And I don't know why she just had such an obsession with him that she couldn't leave him, but she did. So she freaked out and she was like, I don't know what to do until Fred was like, okay, you can pick out the house. You can choose where we live, but we're going to Cali. So Dolly um, picked out the house and she actually sent Otto ahead so he could like get his space set up or whatever you want to call it. And from pictures, it looks like it was even smaller than what was in Wisconsin. So, like, freaking poor guy. Who would want to do that? But then again, like, small spaces are so humbling and just cozy, I guess. So, maybe it was just, like, a self-reflection for 20 years or however long it was. Just an ungodly amount of time to put up with this lady's game. But like I said, while he was up there, he would write short stories and he would read them. And in some... And I should say some. One source, it actually said that he was publishing his short stories and would make a little bit of money. But that was a very, very unreliable source. So I just figured I'd mention it, but I don't think it's true. But sometimes Dolly would go up there with him and she'd like check out his space. And it was like super cool, bachelor pad, whatever, but not really. And it got hard for Otto because like I had said Um, In the beginning, Dolly and Fred would fight a lot, and when they moved to Cali, it got worse and worse, and then August 22nd, 1922 happened. The fight was really, really bad, and Otto was worried about Dolly, because what I think is Dolly was a master manipulator, and I don't know if this is obvious or not, because you guys could be like, oh, you're so stupid, like, duh, obviously that's what happened, but I'm just going to say it anyways. Um, she could have, like, been manipulating the whole, like, him the whole time, just like how in the last podcast, John Meehan found these women who were just desperate for love and just so willing to do whatever to get the relationship they wanted, and that's kind of what happened with Otto. Maybe he was excited about this older woman or maybe he just wasn't very popular with the ladies and this uh, older lady found him interesting so he got excited and just did whatever he she wanted him to and like he probably fell in love with her and just like even though she was hurting him like crazy he was still in love with her and he was just under her will and she he just felt like he had to protect her so when it got really bad, he ran downstairs and he grabbed the two pistols and we don't know, maybe he did get into a struggle with Fred, but he definitely shot him three times and killed him. And you know what? Honestly, we don't actually know that. Maybe Dolly did and he's just taking the fall. Who knows? But Dolly, like, obviously was there and she saw this all happen and she just kind of like, took control of the situation she was freaking out obviously but she was like we got to figure this out and we got to do it quick so she staged the whole thing 
She might have made everything a mess, who knows. She told him to grab the diamond watch and grab some money and go back upstairs and he pushed her in the closet and threw the key away. So that's how that happened. And they just made it seem like it was a burglary. And obviously, like, it wasn't. So the police were totally, like, on point with everything that they were saying. The one thing that the police failed at was searching the house. Because Otto was there. He was in the closet, or the closet, the attic. And they just didn't, they didn't look up there for some reason. Maybe it was, like, a hidden room where no one could see it. I don't know. But they just didn't look in the attic. So Fred was dead, and I wonder if Otto kind of got, like, excited about this because that meant he didn't have to go in the attic anymore. But unfortunately, that was not the case because Dolly started dating Herman Shapiro, the lawyer. So Otto was still stuck in the closet the whole time. He never got out. And... Like, I gotta... Poor freaking Otto. Like, how do you put up with that? Just leave. Run out the door when she's not there or something. I don't know. And then she took another boyfriend. Like, he must have just been locked up there. Because she had a, a, a primary boyfriend, let's say. I don't know. He would go to work. When would the lover come in? When he's not at work. So when would... The guy in the attic come out like almost never you know and when does dolly stop seeing men like there's gotta be an off day where you're not with a dude but i honestly don't think that was happening she was just crazy so eventually roy and dolly broke up like i said and he spilled the beans then dolly was arrested and that was when She told Herman about Otto, but she said it was her brother. So Herman gave him the groceries, and Otto told him everything, every last detail. And at that point, what are you going to do? Like, if you're in Dolly's shoes, you can't be like, can we keep him? Like, he's a freaking puppy. Like, I'll just keep him in the attic. I'll take care of him. Don't worry. No. Obviously, well, I would hope that Herman would be upset and forced her to let him go so Otto moved on he finally moved out after all that time he changed his name to Walter Klein and he actually moved to Canada where he fell in love and got married so happy ending for Otto who lived in the attic for how long I wonder if there was like a transition period where he like didn't know how to act in society I just wish that we had more information on him because there's just really nothing. When I tried to look him up, it was just all about this case and all about Dolly, which like sucks because I'm sure his story was really interesting too. And like, it's so important to know about what happened to these people. They shouldn't just be in the shadow of the bad person, which is what I hate happens in like most stories. Oh my gosh, the cat just dropped something and I almost peed my pants. I gotta stop watching so many scary movies. We're okay. There's not a killer in the house. That I know of. Or at least I hope. Okay. So back to my story. Um, He got married, which is awesome. He got his happy ending. And seven years later, his guilt got to him. Or the lawyer got to him. Who knows? 
but he decided to come back and um, just admit to the murder, tell him the whole story, you know. Quick update, um, I paused the podcast because I was freaking out. There is no one in the house. In case anyone's wondering, it's just a dog and a cat making weird noises and being rude. Honestly, very rude, but I'm okay. So, back to the story. I wonder if Herman wanted to get revenge on Dolly. I wonder if he was like super in love with her and very upset that she broke up with him. Or he was just over the whole situation and was like, you need to get in trouble for the wrongs that you have done. And he decided to track down Otto. Who knows? But either way, Otto and him came forward. He represented Otto. Sherman, Herman did. Herman Shapiro represented Otto. And he confessed. He told the whole truth. And I can't imagine how the police felt. They must have been like, this is insane. We knew it. We were right the whole time. Like, high five to me. Self five, whatever. So there was a trial. And (laughs) this is the part that sucks. The statute of limitation had expired. He was found guilty and he was let go because it had been so freaking long. And even though they got her and they had the trial, she was let go because it had been so long. So they were both set free and they got away with murder. And believe it or not, even though Otto admitted to everything, his wife stuck by his side and just didn't leave him, even though he's a freaking murderer, but whatever. Got a lot of baggage, but sometimes love is just so strong, guys. It can get through anything, even crazy attic lovers and all that good stuff. So eventually, um, Otto went back to Canada with his wife and that's really all we know about him. Again, very annoyed. I wanted to know more about Otto. Didn't hear anything about Shapiro anymore either, but um, Dolly lived to be 80. And two weeks before she died, she actually got married again to her business manager who got everything after she died. And that is the end of Dolly's story. Big bummer. I hate when the bad guy wins, but sometimes it just happens. And luckily, we learn from these situations and we don't let them happen again, hopefully. Justice system, hopefully. But that was the end of Dolly's story. And that was the You Don't Want to Know podcast. Thanks for sticking around and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, You can follow me on Instagram at YDWKpodcast. You can send me an email at YDWKpodcast at gmail.com. Send me a case suggestion if you want. But um, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.